Welcome to It Came From The Deep, a narrative podcast series based on the novel by best-selling author Maria Lewis. Chapter 8. The second Kai dipped her toe cautiously into the water, she felt like a weight had been lifted off her shoulders. She had been anxious to get to Lake Palutz and worried about whether there would still be police activity at Amos's old house across the water. But thankfully, everything was quiet and she was able to slip down to their usual meeting spot without any drama. Amos was waiting for her, slowly appearing from the depths with a smile on his face. They had left things in an uncomfortable spot the night before, but it seemed to have all been forgotten. He genuinely looked excited to see her. Kaya, he said, beaming. Hi, she replied, stealing herself before jumping straight off the ledge and into the water with him. She'd worn one of her full-length wetsuits in preparation for being in the water for a while and immediately felt better for it. How are you? he asked, inching closer to her. Warmer, thankfully. And you? Anything exciting happen? Cops? Sea monsters? No. It was quiet. Well, it was busy. A lot of families come here on weekends. A lot of people swim from one side of the lake and back again. There's usually a lot to look at. How old are you? Kaya blurted. I'm 19, almost 20, Amos answered, seemingly not minding how direct she was. I turned 20 on December 2, or at least so my father thinks, thought. That's the date he found me, so that's the date we've always celebrated. Where? How did he find you? He grew silent as he thought back. I don't remember much about that day. I was a kid, not much older than five or six, and I was swimming with someone. So there are others like you. Others like me. Of that I'm sure. I think I was with my mother, maybe. Then I got caught in a net and I was terrified, screaming for help. She could see it was a painful memory and he lightly shook his head to draw himself out of it. My father was a scientist, you see. He had been doing a catch and release study on his boat when he found me. Why didn't he just let you go, put you back in the ocean? I was hurt at the time from trying to get my way out of the net so he treated me, and then, I don't know. I always wondered if maybe his curiosity got the better of him. There was too much to learn from me. Or perhaps he got attached. Perhaps. Did he teach you how to talk? How to act so... human? Pia wondered if that question was offensive, but it was too late to take it back. Yes, father taught me very well. He was a smart man. He taught me and looked after me and tried to find more of my kind. He spent most of my life trying to track down my people and where they might be from. He studied me and I tried to teach him things, but everything I know about this, he gestured to himself. I know naturally. I've never had to think about it. It comes as easily as walking does to humans. When I looked into your father's death, they said he worked at Hodgkin's University. Amos nodded. He used to teach classes there a few times a week, but once I got bigger, well, he was one of the few professors who was able to work from home mostly. 
He was old and research was what Professor Victor Waldman preferred. It was the first time he had used his name properly instead of father, Kaya noted. She was almost sorry for asking him so many prying questions, but not sorry enough to stop. Her toes were barely touching the bottom of the lake as she bobbed there, listening to him talk. Do you know the time? he asked suddenly. Yeah, Kaya answered, checking her digital wristwatch, which she usually used to monitor her heart rate and time herself with sprints. It's 9.57pm. I came earlier than usual because I don't have to sneak around on a Saturday night. His eyes lit up as he looked over at her watch, but he was distracted for only a second. Can I show you something? Uh, sure, she said nervously. We don't have much time and we need to be over at the other side of the lake. Much time for what? The fireworks, he whispered, his eyes widening with excitement. They have them every Saturday night at 10pm. I used to be able to hear them from my tank, but never see them. Now that I'm in the lake, I can watch it all from just over there. Kai's gaze followed to where he pointed. It seemed like a long distance to cross before 10pm. I don't know if I can swim that fast, she said. I know. I'll take you. She paused. What do you mean, take me? He made a gesture with his hand that looked similar to the motion of waves. Okay, she said, not sure whether she would regret this. Come out to where it's deeper. Kaya did as she was told, her toes skimming the sand for a little bit longer before she pushed off and paddled forward. I've always wanted to try this, he said with a devilish grin. Try? She was doing her best not to let her wariness show. Wrap your arms around my chest, like this. He grabbed Kaya's hands and pulled them around himself from behind until they were wedged under his armpits and gripping the front of his body. Now, hold your breath and hang on. Hold my... She had barely taken a gulp of air when they shot forward at alarming speed. Water surged on either side as the tremendous power of Amos's tail propelled them onwards. Kaya pressed flat against his back. She felt sure that she would slip off at any moment. As they neared the other side of the lake, he ducked under the surface. Kaya's hair was pulled back off her scalp as they tore through the water like a bullet. She saw the familiar glow of the yellow sand at the shore ahead of them and they shot up at the last moment, slowing to no more than a calm paddle. Blinking water out of her eyes, she let out an exhilarated laugh as she realised how quickly they had covered the distance. Unlinking her arms, she slid off his back and stood up to touch the grainy bottom just as a loud bang signalled the start of the fireworks. Spinning around, she watched the sky fill with coloured stars that exploded in a burst of noise and smoke. They could just see them, with the display taking place a few suburbs away. But as she watched Amos's face react to what he was watching, she could tell it didn't matter. This was clearly something he looked forward to every week. That was amazing, she said, when their last firework had fizzled out. He grinned at her, looking somewhat like a drowned caveman. Is it ever hard to swim with all that? She gestured to his long beard and he looked down at it, his grey hands running through the thick texture. I used to cut it and shave. Father taught me. It was easier, but I haven't been able to find anything to use since I've been in here. I can help you with that. You can? Sure. 
You can bring a razor and clippers. My dad or brother will have some. I'd be surprised if they even noticed they're gone. Your family, he said, looking a little startled. What are they like? My brother Storm is a few years older. He's tall and lanky, just like me. You are very long, Amos murmured solemnly. Kaya couldn't help but stifle a giggle. My dad, his name is Ken, Ken Craig. Everyone calls him KC. And your mother? My mother? Yeah, well, she doesn't live with us. She and my dad broke up a long time ago and she moved back to Hawaii. She left you? Uh Uh-huh. Some mothers do that, I guess. Probably not yours. When she looked up, she noticed that he was staring at her intently. Well, what is it? She asked, uncertain. He leaned forward, slowly, until their faces were almost touching. Kaya was frozen in place as Amos moved closer and closer towards her. My God, she thought, he's about to kiss me. But at that last moment, he stopped and brought his hand slowly to a spot under her lip. His fingers traced a mark there, a still fresh scar from when she'd bitten through her lip during the attack. It had taken seven stitches to close the wound up, but the doctor had told her she would have a permanent scar there thanks to the awkward placement. Kaya wasn't concerned about having a visible reminder of the incident, but she knew Storm was finding it hard to get used to the small line that started at her lip and ran down to the crease in her chin. That's from when they attacked you, Amos whispered. She nodded, still frozen. His hand slid down to her neck, and she knew he was looking at the bruising there, which had faded considerably, but was still visible enough. That too, she said, looking up at the sky as his cool fingers ran along the marks, almost willing them to disappear. When his arm returned to his side, she turned to look at his face. Really look. She wanted to see if she could read the truth there while she asked him her next question. What happened to the men who attacked me? Do you really want to know? He asked, sensing her hesitation. She didn't want Amos to shut down on her, but she had to learn their fates. Kaya took a deep breath and closed her eyes before opening them again in a stare that answered the question for her. I drowned them, he said simply. Hearing it out loud like that gave it the finality that made her realise that, indirectly or otherwise, she was responsible for the deaths of all the Tyler children. They're dead, Kaya whispered, knowing that deep down she had accepted this. She had simply been hoping to avoid the truth. Yes. You didn't, uh, eat them. What? He spat water out of his mouth with shock. Well, I've been researching merpeople, and there's a lot of accounts where they devour their victims, and I noticed you had serrated teeth, so I didn't want to assume... Kaya. And there's only so much you can eat being trapped here, I guess, so... Kaya. Her mouth stopped moving as she peeked at him from under her eyelashes. I do not eat people. I don't think any of us eat people. Uh, are you sure? Positive, he said, almost laughing but clearly trying to keep a straight face. Oh, okay, that's good to know. So where are... Mm, 
their bodies? She followed the movement of Amos's arm as he raised it and pointed to an area of the lake far to his right. It was a break-off spot, a smaller circle sitting outside of the larger circle that made up Lake Palutz, but still connected to it. It's too deep for families to swim there, and the path stops a few hundred metres before it. There's no foot traffic, she said, knowing that when she had come here previously with her family or friends, it was an area most people avoided. Not for any specific reason, mind you, but it was also the spot where birds seemed to congregate in the lake, so it was a bit grotty. Kai was looking at the calm space with newfound horror. Within seconds, it had taken on a more sinister feel. They're weighted down with rocks, he said. I moved them there once the divers left. Thank you, she said, her voice sounding forced and foreign. I never said thank you for saving my life. Thank you. Do you know who they were? Why they wanted to hurt you? He asked, his expression darkening. They... Kaya struggled to explain the situation. Amos liked her. He thought she was a good person. She wanted to maintain that illusion for just a little bit longer. Let's just say they had their reasons. I'll save the rest of that story for another night. He nodded. You need to get back to the other side. Yes, my bike and everything is over there. He sat up a little straighter, as if his brain was suddenly overcome with an idea. Could I watch you swim? What? Swim. Could I watch you do it? Uh, sure. Why? It's fascinating to watch, the way you humans move. He trailed off as he mimicked the way he thought people looked underwater, jerking his head and throwing his arms awkwardly. Sure, she said, tying her hair back in a bun as Amos splashed away excitedly and disappeared beneath the water. Bouncing up and down on her toes for a second, she plunged in and emerged on the surface a few seconds later. She took a quick gulp of air before throwing her head back under and swimming five solid strokes. Turning her head to the side, she took another breath before paddling in the direction of the opposite shore. She wasn't going at top speed, but she wasn't cruising either. She was somewhere comfortably in the middle, and it felt great to be properly swimming for the first time in ages. Amos wasn't anywhere to be found, and Caius scanned the blackness for his features. Goggles would have given her better sight, but she had thought it seemed a waste to use them when it was fresh water and her eyes wouldn't sting if exposed. Suddenly, a flash of silver shot past her line of vision. It had come and gone so quickly, she almost questioned whether she had seen it at all before Amos's face popped up beneath her, wearing a huge grin as he swam past. Kaya saw a jet of bubbles escape her mouth as she laughed underwater. He disappeared before returning again, this time swimming directly beneath her from head to toe. He was watching her movements with genuine curiosity, the smile having disappeared from his expression. She began to find it hard to focus on the simple task of kicking while placing one hand in front of the other. He swam into her eyeline again, pointing to the left, and indicating that she was off course. She adjusted slightly and spared a thought for what she was doing. Swimming across Lake Plutz in the middle of the night, guided by a merman. By Sunday, the great surf from the day before had not only hung around, but it had got better. 
It was up to seven foot breaking off Burley Point. Storm and KC had managed to recruit Kaya out into the waves with them. Carefully negotiating their way over the rocks, off the headland, so they wouldn't have to paddle all the way out from the beach, Kaya felt a joy building in her bones. The waves were meaty, clean, and coming in consistent sets. It had been a while since all three of the Craigs had been out there, like this, together, and it felt really bloody good. Come on, old man, she called to her dad, who was behind Storm and her. He was taking a little more time to negotiate jumping from rock to rock. Yeah, 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 he barked back, subtly increasing his speed. Don't tease him, Storm murmured. You don't want him slipping and cutting his ass open on a barnacle. Didn't that happen to you once? She countered. Shut up. Kaya laughed, closing her eyes for a moment as spray and foam from a wave crashing against the rocks splashed onto her face. She was poised on the edge of the last rock that wasn't partially submerged by the swell. She watched as the water drew back and the wave receded, surfboard positioned on her hip as she focused on getting her timing exactly right. Storm was one rock over, beside her, and they were both waiting on a wave big enough to cover the rocks in front of them. They'd leap off from where they were standing and utilise the momentum, paddling out as quickly as they could before duck-diving under the next few waves. If they timed it wrong, they'd land on the rocks below that would no longer be submerged under the water. You ready? Storm called. This looks like it. She agreed, watching the last wave of the set building to a crest before them. Ready when you are. The wave broke, foam splashing up in a white flurry as it rolled towards them. The moment it was about to hit the rocks, the split second, Kaya and Storm jumped, throwing their boards out in front of them and landing in the cool salt water. There was an excited shout behind them and Kaya glanced back to see her father's head appear on the other side of the wave, splashing down with them. She grinned, feeling energised, and used her arms to power forward as quickly as she could. Storm should have been faster than her, but she was fitter, and soon she was gaining on her brother. They were nearly at the back break, that calm area of water behind where the sets collapsed, when two more waves began to form. Kaya positioned her knee in front of her, pushing her board deep down under the water as the wave broke. She popped up on the other side, a smile spreading across her face. When she opened her eyes, there was nothing but clear water in front of her, and she paddled forward to find a spot in the lineup. Don't you look pleased as punch, Storm said, as Kaya sat up and balanced herself on her board. I kicked your butt, didn't I? It's just nice to see you smiling like this, her dad said, catching up to them and waving at someone he recognised further down the line. I haven't seen you this happy in forever. How can I not be? she replied, splashing the water around her. Look at this day! We live on the Gold Coast, sis. Every day looks like this. Blue skies, sunshine, chicks in bikinis. I think Kai's the only chick out here, her father said, looking around. No way, Kaya snorted. There's a little grommet on a purple board. So there, you sexist. Hold that thought, Casey replied, swivelling on his board as he spotted something behind her. She followed his gaze to where an impressive wave was forming, the group of surfers moving around them to get in position. B, 
but Casey was already ahead of them. The muscles in his back rippling and his short legs kicking up a froth as he pulled onto the wave. Storm and Kaya straightened up to see what little they could from the back of the wave, their dad's silhouette visible zooming along the course of the barrel. There was a small crowd of people clustered on the headland to watch, and they were letting out cheers and whoops as KC did what he was famous for. Well, this is me, Storm said, seeing his own prime choice and paddling desperately for the next wave. Kaya spent a little more time waiting to choose hers, a crisp six-footer, and as she descended the drop and got to her feet, she felt invincible. Gaining speed, she crouched down as she whipped along the line, cutting up and down the crest of the wave before it closed out on her. When it finally broke behind her, she jumped off her board and into the whitewash. Popping up through the surf, she used her leg rope to drag her board back towards her and paddle out into the break. She spent some three hours out there with her family, probably longer than she should have, given her sunscreen would have well and truly worn off. But her dad was right. She hadn't looked this happy in a long time because she hadn't felt this happy in a long time. She wondered if it had anything to do with what she'd discovered at the bottom of Lake Palutz, but she didn't want to think too deeply on it. Calling out a farewell to her brother and telling him she'd meet them at the car whenever they were done, Kaya caught a snappy four-foot wave to the shore. Undoing the Velcro on her leg rope, she wrapped it around her board, then started to make her way up the sand. It was an unseasonably warm day for late August, hot even, and she had worn her favourite surfing bikini, a black floral number that had thick straps crossing over on her back like a sports bra. Glancing down at her stomach, she touched the slight red rash that was forming at her hip, where her skin had rubbed against the wax on her surfboard over the past few hours. She located her vehicle in the car park and carefully propped her board alongside it as she glanced over her shoulder. She couldn't see anyone looking. Discreetly, she crouched down near her back tyre and fiddled until she found the small plastic box she'd had added to the underside of the car. It was a place she left her keys whenever she went surfing or did any other activity that meant she couldn't take them with her out into the water. As her fingers recognised the casing, she pressed down on a magnetic clasp and felt the weight of her keys drop into her open palm. You know, I always said one day your car was going to get nicked that way. Kaya froze, her spine stiffening as she recognised the voice. Slowly, she spun around and got to her feet. Hello, Chris, she said, suddenly very aware of her lack of clothing. It shouldn't have mattered. She was a professional in a sport where as little clothing as possible was required for both men and women. Yet, standing there in just her bikini and him, shirtless and barefoot in only a pair of striped board shorts, Kai felt exposed. We're having a barbecue over in the park with some mates, he said, jerking his head behind him to where a cluster of about 20 clubbies were hanging around, eskies and fold-out chairs assembled. A few of them were trying to do a good job of sneakily watching whatever was unfolding between Chris and Kaya, but they ducked their heads as soon as she glanced over. I saw your car over here and thought I'd come and say hi, he continued. Chris, she murmured, looking at her feet. That probably wasn't a good idea. I know the cops came and spoke to you. 
You can't think I had anything to do with what hap... I don't know, she snapped. But you're so close with the Tyler family. You used to flat with the brothers and now they're missing. I told the police everything I knew, he said. That's what I wanted to come over and say. I thought about calling you, but I wasn't sure you'd answer and I would have understood that. You just needed to know that if I thought for a second they would have ever tried to hurt you, you would have done what, fucker? Kaya and Chris's heads both swivelled in the direction of the new voice, which belonged to Storm, who was sprinting towards them. Kaya recognised the fire in his eyes, and she was able to jump into his path as Chris backed away. Storm, she cautioned, placing her hands up against his chest as he tossed his surfboard to the ground. What would you have done, you prick? Her brother was screaming at him, pointing his finger squarely at Chris as he tried to get past Kaya. You would have done exactly what you did before, he yelled. Fucking nothing. Where were you when she needed you then? Nowhere. Storm, listen, mate, I was just trying to... This family doesn't want you anywhere near it, okay? Okay, okay, Chris pleaded, taking further steps back. His friends nearby had started to wander over and the commotion had drawn the attention of onlookers. Hey, hey, what's going on here? Her father called, running to catch up. Dad, grab him, Kaya hissed, pushing Storm backwards towards KC. He stumbled, giving her father the opportunity to clutch him from behind and properly hold him back. He was muttering urgently into his son's ear, trying to calm him down and speak some sense into him. Kaya seized the opportunity, turning her back on her family for a second to face Chris. Get out of here, she told him, shoving gently at his arms. You know Dad's not going to be able to hold Storm back much longer. Leave, Chris. I just wanted to see how you were, he murmured. I was doing okay right up until about five minutes ago, he winced, looking almost apologetic before spinning on his heels and walking as quickly as he could back to his people. Kaya watched Chris leave, making sure he had enough bodies around him before she grabbed her surfboard. Tossing it onto the roof of the car, she angrily grabbed her brothers and her father's as well, stacking them on top of each other. Get him in the car, she said, tossing Casey the keys. He did as she said, half hugging and half shoving Storm into the back seat before locking the doors. Kaya had almost finished securing the boards to the roof racks and she tightened the straps, holding them down with more force than was necessary. You okay, Cargill? Her dad asked, gently squeezing her shoulder. No, Dad, she huffed. We just created a huge scene. Everybody saw and is going to be talking about it. I'm not okay. Hun, Storm was just being Storm, I know. This is the shit we've had to deal with when you weren't around, and we're not perfect at it. I'm not mad at him, I'm just... Mad at all of it. She saw the hurt cross her father's face at the pointed remark, and she regretted it almost in the same instant. But she was also furious and hyper-aware of the dozens of pairs of eyes that were on them. Snatching the keys out of Casey's hand, she stormed round to the other side of the car and jumped behind the wheel. Her father told her she probably shouldn't drive. He offered to instead but she was determined as she gently revved the engine before throwing the car into reverse. 
She was desperate to be behind the wheel and for once feel just a little bit in control of her life. This chapter of It Came From The Deep was read by Sophie Parr and produced by Adam Boys at Thaumaturgy Post-Production Services. It Came From The Deep is the third novel from Maria Lewis and available physically from all good bookstores and library as well as online. It's also part of her Aurealis award-winning Supernatural Sister series which includes Who's Afraid, Who's Afraid 2, Who's Still Afraid, The Witch Who Caught a Death, The Wailing Woman, The Rose Daughter and more. This is the narrative podcast series with new chapters releasing every week and bonus episodes dropping in between with author Maria Lewis and myself, Blake Howard, breaking down the plot, inspirations and writing process. It Came From The Deep is part of One Heat Minute Productions.